Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fat for Weight Loss Show. Today is the first episode in a four-part series that is talking about ketogenic baking, and we will get to it right after this. An important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than 100 different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. So I'm really excited to be talking about keto sweetness today because it is something that a lot of people get confused about. Um, And this is part one of a four-part sequence all about um, keto baking and, you know, the different types of sweeteners, the different types of binding agents, the different types of flours, how you can convert your old dessert recipes into new keto dessert recipes. Um, And I think as we're talking about keto sweeteners, Uh, The idea is that we will be talking about um, keto desserts. So all of this really applies to keto desserts. And I think that uh, a lot of people have a lot of confusion around the sweeteners that they can use. Um, And so, you know, I I highly recommend you stick around for this episode because there's probably some sweeteners in here that you uh, wouldn't have known would be okay that actually are. And then there's also sweeteners in here that you probably use that may not be okay for a strict ketogenic diet. Uh, So we'll dig straight into it. But first, let's get into why you would want to go sugar-free in the first place. Because keto, um, you know, it talks about being able to burn your own stored body fat, being able to reduce your insulin levels so that you can burn your own body fat and not rely on glycogen because your body only has a certain amount of you know carbohydrate energy that's stored on your body at any one time. Um, and that's measured in what's called glycemic index and glycemic load. And basically, glycemic index is a number that is given to a food uh, and that measures or you know it gives a, a number and that represents how high your blood sugar levels will go at any one time after eating that particular food, right? So, you know, there's different glycemic levels of different types of food, but basically um, sugar would be very, very close to 100 and then something like fat would be pretty close to zero. Uh, there's also glycemic load and what that means is that it it measures how much insulin your body actually requires over a certain period of time so not just the initial spike but also over a period of time Um, and so things that you know might be slower versions of carbs uh, they will have you know a significantly higher glycemic load than something that is not uh, that doesn't have any carbohydrates in them at all Um, so that's you know why you would want to go sugar 
sugar free. I guess uh, the idea is that you want to become a, more of a, a steam train <laughs> than a, a race car, um, and you want to be able to you know truck along throughout the entire day. And so even if you do have a sweet tooth, uh, even if that is something that you know you want to incorporate into your diet and creating meal plans, creating meal preps for so many people now, um, I do find that if you include a dessert in there for the people who do enjoy dessert, it makes the ketogenic diet way easier to stick to. So if you know how to make really easy, friendly keto desserts, it's like, oh, this actually doesn't feel like a diet. This feels more like a lifestyle, um, <laughs> you know, and, and that's uh, a, a great reason to incorporate those desserts in your diet so that you don't uh, binge on something on the weekend or, you know, just feel really deprived. Um, so let's talk about some of the sweeteners that you should avoid. And what we were talking about before, you know, we're talking about glycemic index and glycemic load. So anything that bumps your um, blood sugar levels up is probably something to be avoided. Now, most people know that, uh, you know, sweeteners like sugar, honey, fructose, high fructose corn syrup, agave, multidextrin, sucrose, all those different types of sweeteners are probably ones you should avoid because they will bump your blood sugar levels up. And what what happens is then when your blood sugar levels increase, it says, oh, okay, we need insulin to push the blood sugar levels back down. But when insulin is present in your body, you're not actually able to, um, to access stored body fat. Your body says store body fat. So insulin is that master switch that says, okay, you can burn the fat now or you can store it. <laughs> um, you know, and insulin plays many, many more roles in the body than that, um, particularly when it comes to building muscle. Um, but you know, when we're, tr- when we're trying to avoid that insulin spike so that we're not kicked out of ketosis, these are the sweeteners to avoid. Um, there's going to be a bigger list of these in the description of this podcast. So whatever app you're using, you should be able to go over to the show notes and see this list of, of sweeteners there. And th- they will be listed in the ones to avoid, uh, you know, the ones that you can have, and then some of the questionable ones. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, as again, sugar, honey, fructose, high fructose corn syrup, agave, multidextrin, sucrose, you know, molasses, brown sugar, all of those different types of sugar will bump your blood sugar levels up, which is not what you want. So those are the ones to avoid. Now, the ones that are in a bit of a gray area are the artificial sweeteners. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, artificial sweeteners don't actually give you a blood sugar level increase. Therefore, they're okay on keto. Um, and, and that's correct. You know, I think that um, for artificial sweeteners, most of them don't bump up your blood sugar levels. But the problem with artificial sweeteners is that there is not enough scientific evidence to prove that these substances are not causing long, long-term health damage. Um, so I would say use them at your own risk because we just don't know enough about them. Um, we know plenty about sugar. We know um, plenty about the uh, you know some of the keto sweeteners that I'm going to talk about in a second because they've been around for years and years and years. But these artificial sweeteners were born out of the, um, <laughs> the basically the oppression of sugar. And so they say, well, you know, let's just take all the calories out of it for sucralose, for instance, um, or you know, aspartame. That let's insert all of the sugar that we used to into um, into Diet Coke and then put that sweetener in it. Uh, so, you know, I think artificial sweeteners, um, 
yes, they won't bump up your blood sugar levels, most of them. Uh, and there is a list in the description of this podcast where you'll be able to see which ones do and which ones don't. Um, and, and then again, I would just put an asterisk there saying uh, there's not enough scientific evidence to prove that these substances are not causing long-term health damage. So again, use them at your own risk. Um, when it comes to sugar alcohols, they are also questionable as well. There is only one that you can have, and we will get to it in a second, <laughs> but some sugar alcohols are best to be avoided because they will bump up your blood sugar levels. The ones that bump up your blood sugar levels are maltitol, sorbitol, and xylitol. Now, some people might go, oh my gosh, I've been using xylitol for the past 20 years damn. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's totally fine. I think that xylitol, while it has a GI value of 30, so it is going to bump up your blood sugar levels. Uh, it's not going to send them tremendously through the roof. Um, maltitol, I believe, will is, you know, pretty similar to sugar and same with sorbitol. But xylitol, it's, it's probably the one that tastes the most like sugar without the, um, you know, either the cooling or the bitter effect. Um, but you have to make sure that if you are using xylitol, do not ever give it to dogs because uh, it is toxic for dogs. And if you do decide to use xylitol in your diet, be sure to keep it away from dogs and cats. Uh, you know, most animals cannot handle that type of sugar alcohol. Um, and yeah, there's potentially fatal consequences for that. So those ones, again, maltitol, sorbitol, and xylitol, they are all sugar alcohols and ones that will bump up your blood sugar levels. So, you know, that we've talked about the ones to avoid. Um, we're talking about sugar. You know, we've talked about the artificial sweeteners. We've talked about the sugar alcohols to avoid. But let's get into the ones that you can use because we don't want to always talk about the ones you can't use and you feel like deprived and <laughs> all that, all that uh, type of thing. Um, let's talk about the three sugars or the sugar replacements that you can use on the ketogenic diet. The first one is stevia. Um, and so stevia has been sourced from South America for like 1,500 years um, and it has 150 times the sweetness of sugar. So what they do is they get the active ingredient, the stevia glycosides, um, which are the leaves of the plant, and they basically turn that into a powder. So most stevia is either in a powdered form or a liquid form. Um, it's not digested by the body, which means that you are not going to get a blood sugar level increase. Uh, it basically acts more like fiber in the body. It, it's not actually a fiber, but it doesn't get digested. Um, and I don't believe that it bl bumps up your blood sugar levels um, below your you know, threshold. Um, and that's perfect because one, stevia is a liquid most of the time. So um, some of the other... Uh, sweeteners that we'll talk about they have to they, they either come in granular form or they um, if you want to use them in just say like a cream cheese icing you would have to get the powdered form so you'd have to have two forms um, whereas stevia if you use stevia it is a liquid already so it'll blend very very easily with things that are already in a liquid um, so it has a glycemic index of zero, which is what I talked about before. It has a very strong antibacterial effect. So people suffering with Lyme's disease will st will will use stevia um, because stevia and coconut oil and uh, you know not MCT oil but coconut oil, the C12 chain in the coconut oil has very strong antibacterial effects, and that's um, you know something that's really interesting because I feel like sugar, honey, those types of things are probably um, bacteria creative and then stevia is antibacterial so that's a that's a great side effect of using stevia um, 
it is approved by the FDA, so it's generally generally recommended as safe by the FDA. And again, it's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. So stevia is a great one to use if you haven't already tried it. The only thing with stevia, though, is it can taste quite bitter. Um, and it's often hard to make sure that you're getting the right amount of sweetener when you're using it in baked goods. So for instance, if you came across a recipe and it was using a cup of sugar um, and then you go to use stevia and it's in liquid form and you go, hmm, (laughs) how do I convert one cup of sugar into stevia? And that's actually really easy. Um, You would use one teaspoon of stevia, of liquid stevia for one cup of sugar, but it's not common knowledge and not many people know that. Um, So I hope that little bit of information helps you down the track with stevia Um, and it can taste bitter in large quantities. So this is where it's best paired with um, erythritol. Now, erythritol is a sugar alcohol and it is one of the only sugar alcohols that has no um, effect on your blood sugar levels apart from glycerin. And glycerin is also a sugar alcohol and it is usually paired with the um, uh, flavor extracts that you get in baking. So things like vanilla extract, uh, rum extract, peppermint extract, you know, those types of things. Uh, it's They're not pure extract. They are paired with glycerin. And glycerin also has a GI value of zero, which is perfect. Um, Erythritol is found naturally in fruits, vegetables, and wine, and it occurs in the byproduct as a byproduct of fermentation. Um, Erythritol probably is the one that mimics sugar the most when you're using it in baking. It's about 70% as sweet as sugar. Um, So it is something that you sort of have to um, calculate a little bit in your head, but by the time you're actually used to a ketogenic diet, you don't crave like that super, super sweet type taste. And so what I find is that having something that's 70% less sweet, um, or sorry, 30% less sweet than sugar is actually a good thing. So if you wanted to replace it one-to-one for sugar, um, that's where people pair it with stevia um, or powdered stevia or whatnot. Um, and that's where you can get blends like um, uh, Pure, you can get Swerve. Those different types of things are usually a blend of erythritol and stevia, right? Um, so erythritol, when it's commercially produced, is harvested from a type of yeast that ferments wheat or cornstarch into sugar alcohols. So when you are purchasing erythritol that is commercially produced, make sure it is non-GMO because you're not getting the yeast, uh, sorry, you're not getting the wheat or the cornstarch, but it's fermented from a type of yeast that is fed those types of foods. So that's the only thing with erythritol. Um, I think that the the benefits of erythritol outweigh the, the negatives. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to go maybe go down the, the road of glycerin, you can actually get that at health food shops as well. And it's generally a liquid and it's quite viscous. Um, but those two sugar alcohols, really good. The last one, monk fruit, um, and it's called, you know, maybe also called Buddha fruit, um, and it's been used since the 13th century in South China. So it's, again, it's been around for a very, 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 very long time. The active component is mogrosides, uh, which is part of the glycosides group, you know, so same with stevia. Um, monk fruit extract is extracted from the monk fruit. Um, Again, it is 70% as sweet as stevia. So if you think about sugar, erythritol is 70% as sweet as sugar. Monk fruit is 70% as sweet as stevia. So monk fruit is actually a really, really, really good sweetener to use because it doesn't have the bitter taste 
and you don't have to use heaps of it. It's already a liquid. It's generally a liquid when it's sold, um, but it's actually kind of hard to get in its pure form. Um, so it's been used a lot in traditional Chinese medicine. Um, and again, it is FDA approved. So generally recommended as safe by the FDA. Um, and that one's only been recently made FDA approved um, because there just wasn't that, ma that many studies. And generally, um, when there's not enough studies surrounding sweeteners like this, it's because there's probably not enough money in it. Um, and so there's a lot of money in artificial sweeteners and, and, and a lot of money in sugar. Um, there's not enough scientific, scientific evidence to, to give us anything about artificial sweeteners and if they're safe, um, which is interesting. Um, but again, erythritol is also FDA approved. Um, stevia is FDA approved and also monk fruit is FDA approved. And they're basically, um, you know, they're, they're the ones that are not going to bump up your blood sugar levels. And that's the, that, that, that's the key for the ketogenic diet. When you are in a state of low carbohydrate living, you need to make sure that things that you're not, uh, sorry, subconscious things that you're consuming are not bumping up your blood sugar levels. Because um, it's really important when you are consuming a high fat diet that you're not also consuming a high carb diet as well. Um, and if you are consuming carbs, do it without fat. And again, if you're consuming fat, do it without carbs because they don't go together very well in your body. <laughs> and if you consume them at the same time, um, they they both get stored as fat. And it's it's not the greatest thing. Um, so So stevia monk fruit, erythritol, they are the three sweeteners that you can use. Um, if you can get your hands on glycerin, then you can try that as well. Uh, but um, generally, it's not usually sold by itself. It's paired with other things like rum extract, peppermint extract, those types of stuff. So if you do have any questions, um, you know, try and get in contact with me. I have an email at support at fatforweightloss.com.au. If there's any, um, you know, particular sweeteners that you think might be okay on the ketogenic diet, but you're not sure, the best way is to turn them around. Look at the back. If it says erythritol or stevia or monk fruit and nothing else, then it's 100% okay. So... Um, there's hundreds of different brands of sweetener out there and you know we could talk about this for ages and I've particularly left most of them out um, because of that phenomenon uh, and the confusion around it but to simplify it and to take it back to its roots if it has stevia monk fruit or erythritol totally fine um, and I think that's kind of it all of the information for this podcast will be in the description of the uh, in the notes of the podcast so if you do have any questions then you know, maybe check that first and then try and get in, in contact with me and I can definitely help you out. So this has been part one of the keto baking series and we're talking about sweeteners and the next episode is going to be talking about binding agents. So if you're really confused about uh, xanthan gum, gelatin, psyllium husk, you know, guar gum, all those different types of things, then make sure you're listening to next week's episode that talks all about those different types of um, you know, uh, binding agents that really help in gluten-free baking. Um, and I think that will you know, revolutionize your, your experience when you're going to bake something in the kitchen. So again, my name is Aaron. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. 
head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.